0: All right. Hi, everybody. This is RCFB Talk 119. We're back. It's going to be me, your host, Bob Aghaieri. My co-hosts are out for the holidays right now, but I am still going on strong. I'm actually here in Mexico City, but hey, you know what? Things work. The Internet is a miraculous thing. I'm glad to have it. So if you'd like to talk college football, we'd love to hear from you. Just go ahead and hit request. And I'll go ahead and let you up, and we'd love to hear about whatever you'd like to talk about. Because, obviously, there's a lot going on as we're in that stretch where bowl season is in full effect. i go ahead and just paste something into the chat. I just always like to let people know that they can hit requests. There's so much going on these days. I mean, obviously, we've had – signing date continues to kind of cause some consternation among folks. I mean, certainly Oregon created a between some folks at Baylor and some other programs that decide that perhaps – a Pac-12 school has no business in that area, especially with USC and UCLA heading to the SEC, but there's other stories there. Obviously, we've got bowls going on right now. Um, as we're sort of get in the fourth quarter, East Carolina seems to really have a strong lead over Coastal Carolina. You know, losing their head coach, this, is, this has been kind of a tough a tough finish for the, the Shonts. They are a strong program, and we're hoping they can get it going because they're always a very exciting program to watch. But so far this bowl season, looks like East Carolina is doing what they do, which is cause stress for some teams, especially punching a little bit higher um, as they take on teams that might be perhaps a little bit more challenging. And then, of course, we've got another bowl tonight, kicking off at what looks like, I guess, 1025 p.m. I think they moved that back by 10 minutes already to accommodate the uh birmingham bowl but wisconsin and oklahoma state are going to be playing at chase field in the guaranteed right Bowl, which was a copper bowl which was many different other names i still think of it as a copper bowl but if you want to talk about anything just go ahead and hit request we'd love to talk to you about what your thoughts are in college football you know the couple other big sort of news items that have been happening today obviously ed reed coming out of you know i wouldn't say retirement but deciding to jump into the head coaching ranks Looks like we have a guest. I'm going to go ahead and let you up, Regis Betts. But as we kind of get you up here, you know, I'm really excited to see how Ed Reed's going to do. Obviously, he was a legend at Miami, a great NFL player. He dabbled in being an assistant coach for one year and then has been kind of in, a, in an administrative role at Miami. But by all accounts, it seems like an exciting pick for a team. Because Beth and Cookman, they've been always a program. They, they struggled in the past couple of years. They had a good coach. I mean, well, they, they had a coach, Terry Sims, who started out strong. And that was when Bethune Cookman was in the MEAC. And that's one of the two FCS HBCU conferences. He started out strong, went nine and two, even finished the season ranked in the FCS poll. But then it kind of, you know, it settled into sort of mostly seven win seasons. And then, you know, a couple of seasons ago, the SWAC poached two teams from the MEAC, Florida a and and Bethune Cookman. And they just had a pair of two and nine stinkers. And they let go of Sims, So they're hiring Ed Reed. Clearly some inspiration. It's hard not to see Deion Sanders' effect there bringing in a superstar head coach. They actually have coached against each other in a high school all-star game before. So should be interesting to see where that goes. But anyways, um, all that said, Reggie, what's up?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the big news today was uh, in regards to the Sam Hartman news. I mean, to be quite transparent, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so... It just seems interesting to me that we hear, like, kind of the leaks and news prior to, I guess, the official end of the portal. Now, maybe he entered the portal prior, um, but just, I guess, how are the reports coming out um, of, you know, Hartman leaning Notre Dame or, you know, or there's – I know there's been other people like uh, – you know, that have been leading schools prior to, you know, officially publicly entering the portal. So I don't know, is it like kind of like, it were, like you know, professional sports where you kind of like, the, they have like a, like their camps are talking to schools. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously there's always the potential, Everyone throws the word tampering now um, out like, you know, so co- constantly. So just kind of curious to see uh, why, you know, or how, you know, you know, these, you know, these pieces of information are kind of getting uh, put out to the public prior to them entering the portal?
0: I think that's a great question. I think you're on to a little bit of it. I think sometimes it's controlled or not controlled. I, you know, there's a lot of folks out there, they specialize in this. They, they you know, for decades and decades, I still remember I've talked to, gosh, years ago, and I'm talking like six, seven years ago, we talked to some of the folks who were the original recruiting reporters back when that was like a something that people in in sports media typically weren't as into i mean it was a big deal to some extent the coaches certainly cared about it but there wasn't that spread of coverage that we see now and especially with the portal really making things even more i mean beyond just i mean obviously i'm talking about recruiting but even has made transfers equally as exciting so i think in all of that there's a lot of folks who know how to reach people who might be willing to talk sometimes it's players although I don't know, I'm not going to say that's what's happening here. Sometimes it's parents, sometimes it's, you know, somebody's uncles, cousins, <laughs> you know, and, and you try to get that, that inside scoop on where it's going. And sometimes, you know, you can get some hints from players, or actually not players, pardon me, you know, folks within programs. But again, that would all be, give up that kind of a source. And, uh, and some folks are better at, at deriving that than others. And maybe perhaps some informal conversations where they were off the record got that kind of a lead but yeah it seems like Sam Hartman's heading to Notre Dame and and what do you think about that by the way Reggie you said you're an Irish fan what is how do you feel about that
1: I mean I I don't know how to say but you know a little bit of a you know a dream come true I mean I'd say the the most talented quarterback since we mean Notre Dame's had talented quarterbacks and we've had the Sean Kaisers and stuff like that but just never I don't think we've had the pieces and the um a coach like Freeman at the forefront where we're now we're, you know, he's attracting, you know, the high level athletes. He's, you can tell he's putting the effort in recruiting. So it'll be, it'll be interesting because we're going to have to go against, again, you got a hot, you got Ohio state at home and you got us. And then you got USC, which, which is unanimously, in my opinion, they have the best player in college football. And then Clemson is going to be interesting. Cause I'm curious to see what K. club can do. And then obviously you're going to throw in, you know, Drake play Drake may again, I believe. Um, maybe i I'm not sure if Florida State's on the schedule, so it'll be interesting. I mean, granted, I mean, you can't get worse than this year at quarterback play, so um, I won't complain there. Um, But uh, it'll be really interesting to see him transition from a mesh offense to a much more traditional pro offense where um, Tom Parise is the guy scheming guy's open. So it'll be interesting. I mean, he's going to get tested, so – um, I'm excited, um, and uh, I hope this comes to fruition because usually Pete Thamel is not wrong when he puts out this to the public. Oh, yeah.
0: No, I, I agree on that. And, you know, it's got to – I mean, Notre Dame fans, it's got to feel good to have a quarterback of that caliber to decide, you know what, I think I want to play for the Irish. So that means there's there's stuff there in play that, that makes them a desirable location because I always think there is that – the uh, I think some the Dame fans do feel that sort of well. Are we are we where we were, or you know, in the good old days? Or I, I hear that. I mean, you know, my own alma mater was USC, so I feel you on on you know the concern of well, are we back or? Is this, oh uh... oh
1: stop. You guys are few guys will be fine for the next decade. And so Well, oh, I'm I'm and... happy
0: for the next few years, but I'll be honest, there was a there were a few years ago I'm like, Well, shoot <laughs> you know. But I mean they were they were at their worst when I was a student. The highlight of the three years I was at USC, they missed going to a bowl twice and they lost the Sun Bowl to a, a still whack TCU um yeah, yeah that it, was it, so. it, it, my, my whole world is like it can only get better than when i was a student so um <laughs> but anyway yeah. thanks for joining us man
1: no i appreciate it thank you
0: yeah thank you hey gamecock superman what's up it's been a while love to hear from you
2: hello can you hear me all right
0: Sure can. What's going on? Um, so first
2: of all, I'd like to start out with uh, you know, to transition this to the to the bowl game and you know, say that I'm <laughs> yes, <indeed. laughs> I'm I'm very excited to uh play, you know, Notre Dame in the bowl game, even though, you know, both South Carolina and Notre Dame are missing half their rosters. I think it's gonna be a good game on Friday. But my my sort of overall question, what I wanted to come here up here and talk about is obviously we've seen a lot of these high profile schools a lot of power 5 schools in these bowl games um missing players due to transfers you know people entering the transfer portal before the bowl game people opting out obviously to go to the NFL draft um and i mean i i'm not the only one that feels this but i just feel like uh you know bowl season especially for you know someone that's a fan of a school like south carolina has sort of lost its luster you know i mean some of the greatest moments in our football program's history were during bowl games the Jadavion Clowney hit against michigan the win against ohio yeah. state in the early 2000s those were uh, big games for us and it just feels like you know we're never going to get that again because it, they've sort of lost their importance um what would your opinion be on how to fix that and how to, you know, bring bowl games, you know, the, the bowl games that aren't new year's six bowls or, you know, even like the middle tier bowl games, like the, uh, Outback bowl, or they call it the Relia Quest bowl now, or the Gator bowl. Yeah. How can you bring the relevance back to those bowl games at this point?
0: You you know, you asked a great question and, and there's so much going on there because I, I, you know, there were certainly we've seen an increase in players opting out, and it is a tough thing for fans who want to see the team that they got them excited during the regular season, that that earned that spot in the bowl, and a lot of those pivotal players. It, it sucks when you see any of those pivotal players decide to opt out. At the same time, I mean, there's a flip side to it, although it doesn't necessarily make it better because it's not like the they've had the, the same amount of experience or practice but there is an opportunity to see next year's talent and kind of get a preview of that but i know that isn't necessarily a winning argument and uh with the, some of these bowl games the sad truth is past a certain point especially the relatively new ones i, I used to say new ones but i mean some of these I mean, I think the Bahamas Bowl just celebrated 10 years, you know. But, I mean, these newer bowl games, they were designed purely to give TV something. You know, ESPN owns an enormous number of bowls, especially most of the minor ones, just to create TV. Con- Actually, today is the perfect example of that. You have four back-to-back bowls all on ESPN, not even ESPN2, just all back-to-back on ESPN right now. And it's because they, they are able to arrange it to 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 fill content You know, in this perfect holiday season, um, just peeking at the score, East Carolina still has that good lead over Coastal. But, um, you know, I wonder we're in kind of a weird transition year or two right now, because with the playoff expansion, of course, it's going to bring in more teams. We're going to get a little bit more excitement, although they're not bowl games they are going to be home games. And then. I Believe with, they're still gonna, they may do the quarters on bowl or in some kind of bowl setup. I'm not, I know they're still finalizing. I don't want to, and I always seem to, I always seem to jump the gun in, in saying what they're going to do there, but that'll make it at least a little more exciting. But for, yeah, for all the other bowl teams, it's gonna still be a little bit difficult because certainly, I mean, I can say this, uh, not quoting the person specifically, but I know someone had a major company that was involved in, they had a, they had a bowl. Um, I don't think they have a bowl name anymore, but they had a bowl name. They had named the right. They bought the naming rights. You know, they don't run the bowl. They just paid for the the right to be called their company bull. And when the CFP came out, they actually were able to suddenly jump to a way more prestigious bowl. That wasn't the CFP bowl because suddenly all the bowl kind of values dropped because suddenly they weren't as important. And a lot of, Advertisers, a lot of TV, just kind of were like, oh, well, what are we going to do with all these other bowls, the ones that didn't make the the CFP or the New Year Six?
2: Well, so, I think and, something oh, like the Rose Bowl will never lose its luster. I mean, the the history behind the yeah, Rose. Yeah, I think the
0: New Year Six, as a group, are typically safe, and and there are some others there too. But I think, yeah, it's it's always going to be tricky with some of the newer ones, like as you say, you know, like the. And while it's fun to see the new matchups, you know it's hard to sell the birmingham camellia serve pro first responder i mean they're 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 neat when they're your team but it's kind of hard to to so i don't know if there is a magic solution to making them any more desirable or interesting especially with the way we have and i mean we a lot of us wanted to see the players have more you know more value in their own hands rather than just giving the value to the schools and their head coaches without necessarily receiving a whole lot other than a pat on the back. And, and, you know, a still a valuable scholarship. Don't get me wrong. But I think that's sort of the trade off there is these, the, the increase in opt outs and the increase in, in, you know, these young men deciding that, you know what, as, as much as I love playing in college, this is, this is my chance to to get that check. And, and for a lot of folks, you know, make their, the sacrifice of a lot of folks in their family worth it. So I, I, it's really a difficult, you know, question. Well, there
2: there have been um, the idea floated that the, um, the first thing that they should do is move the transfer window, the first transfer window until after the bowl game. So you can't even put in your name into the transfer portal and commit to another school and sign paperwork to go to that school until after the bowl game is over. And also, you know, now that NIL is a factor, it's it's been floated that these bowl games, instead of giving out swag bags and, you know, trips to uh, Universal and and stuff like that, they should just straight up pay, you know, money to the players because it seems like we're going in more of a professionalized direction. And if if these players aren't. You know, um, motivated enough to play in the bowl game without some kind of monetary compensation, you could give them a portion of the the gate revenue, or the ad revenue, or or what have you that these uh, bowls get. Do you think that that would work?
0: I mean, it would be an interesting setup. I, it's such a wild west right now that I, it's it's an interesting idea. I don't know <laughs> how that'll work in practice because also the fear is what you you pay some guy uh, you know who who agrees to stay. Has some awful injury, and then everyone's like, "Oh, was it really worth that?" You know, do, do you understand what I'm saying? That trade off. So I don't. I, I I'd be curious to see if they can develop that into something that works, especially after. I mean, we know there's going to be some some pullback eventually on how the, the the nil situation is going right now. But I it's a. I think it's interesting. It's certainly an interesting one um wow we have several people in the queue right now so Gamecock Superman I just want to thank you for joining us again it's always great hearing from you
2: no problem man thank you for uh having me
0: always man hey Thack what's up been a lo- been a bit
2: hey man I-, I just want to say
3: I want to fire everybody
0: I want to fire everybody get them all <laughs> done you lose the
3: game va- wake Force. six minutes left I- I'm sure you watched that game because there's the only thing on at the time but uh with six minutes left, it was a fourth and three, and he punts it. He punts it on a running back that's getting how many goddamn yards a carry, dude? I don't know, man. We need uh, – if he don't get it I, – I, you know how it was at the beginning of the season, right? I said, give him his time, give him his time. But, man, you got to win that bowl game. Would have felt a lot better, man. Uh, I don't know man I just uh man the Tigers are a crap shoot maybe Missouri is a basketball school now I don't know we'll find out tomorrow I've been uh I've been pestering <laughs> yeah. my coworker who's a UK grad uh about it all week so uh it's the first SEC game uh basketball game playing Kentucky so man maybe we're maybe we're a basketball school in Kansas is a football school uh now I I guess uh I guess uh the the tides have turned although uh, I don't know, man. It's a it's brutal uh, being a Tigers fan because next season is not looking uh, not looking great, fantastically. Uh, I mean, here's the thing: Luther Burden, though, give props to that guy. I think he's done more for Missouri football in terms of uh, recruits and uh, and such uh, uh, than anybody since damn Gary Pinkle. But uh, also, I want to say, got the best Christmas gift ever. And here I'll lay it out for you. My family knows me very well. And got Luther Burden, Red Hot Ripplets. That's a St. Louis uh, St. Louis brand, Chips. He's got an NIL deal with the chip brand. I got uh, Bijan Robertson, Dijon oh, nice. mustard.
0: Yes. It
3: is fantastic. I will say, I've anybody, anybody who's, uh, who's on the fence about it, bite the bullet. If you're a Dijon fan. It tastes fantastic, and uh, I got Mike Leach Swinger sword. So uh, I, I, that's that's, oh, that's quite possibly book. one of the best uh, best Christmases ever for college football. Wow, that's amazing.
0: That's a great lineup.
3: I know, fantastic lineup. But uh, huh. yeah, sorry, I
0: just talk
3: because uh, no, man, I group. get it.
0: it. It's tough right now. Do you think how much? How, do you think it's the make or break season for drink next next year? I mean, so, and you know, I
3: said to give him a long leash. I think he's got next season to figure it out. He needs an offensive coordinator. That's first off. Uh, uh Second off, he has a worse record than Barry Odom. How, how is that? How is hey, that? Hey, UNLV
0: head coach Barry Odom.
3: I know, and I'm happy for him. <laughs> hey, Barry's a yeah. Missouri guy. I was never super, uh, I never had uh, hate for him when he got fired. Right, I, was right. I don't
0: think many did, yeah.
3: But but I mean he was not a great football head football coach at Missouri. His first years were running with Pinkles recruits, and then it went totally downhill from there. So um, I, I don't know. I you got to look at it and say, okay, well he has less he's less wins in the same amount of time than Barry Odom. Uh, he, I I don't think he gets fired next season. I think if he gets less than. Uh, If if he if he gets six wins in a bowl game, he might stay for one more. uh, But he's got to get seven regular season wins, and you got to you got to start with the non-conferences,
0: man. I mean, we dropped. Yeah, Yeah. you guys got South Dakota, fine. Then you got Middle Tennessee, which normally I'd say is a win, but you know they'll occasionally pull something crazy like they did on Miami. Which granted, Miami wasn't great this year. But then it's that K State game. That's the one I'm really curious to see. K State against Mizzou. That's going to be a fun one.
3: It's, yeah, and, and I, I said, Kansas State turned out to be a really great team. I mean, at the beginning of the season, we, we started off on a sort of a high note, and they blew us out completely, and everyone was like, the season's over, season's over. And looking back at that loss now, I mean, Kansas State was probably one of the most underrated uh, teams. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, agreed. Without, I mean, TCU, you, you got to look at TCU came from nothing, and they made something fantastic. But K-State, I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, well, and that was, we're all waiting to see Kleiman kind of reach that, you know, show what he could do, and he certainly did, so. Yeah, hey, thank you. Hey, thanks, Zach, it was great hearing from you, Merry Christmas, man, those were fun presents. Yeah,
3: yeah, I know, go Tigers.
0: Yeah, take care. All right, let's see here, we're going to get through everybody, we've got Tattoo Baker, what's up, I'm letting you up, when you're up here, just, uh, just hit unmute, and then I'll get to you, Dave, and then I'll get to you, Trey. What's up? I can see you're unmuted, but I can't hear you, Tattoo Baker. Oh, I didn't know you were talking to me, bud. Sorry. Oh yeah, no, sorry. I was going by. I go by folks as you like, Nick, because like on um, what I'm seeing is I just see your users like the name you put on your yeah. like the the Twitter handle thing. So sorry about dude, that. Dude, What's dude, going dude,
4: on? Dude, so knowing that you're a massive account, love the account too. You know, you're always coming up with funny stuff. Uh, question for you: Do you think that you know Lincoln could ever take the Denver job? And if you know next year, maybe go to the NFL. Whatever it is, just leave for the NFL sooner rather than later. You know, what I'm saying like, is he going to stick it out? You feel like he's going to be a long haul in the in the college or do you think he's going to just a a quick ditch to go to the nfl
0: thanks Ooh, that's a great question i'm always hesitant to to predict on some of this i always think to some extent it's because i mean even nick saban went to the nfl for that brief period and decided you know what i hate this (laughs) this isn't what i'm good at um and and i i think he he left early because he just wanted to go back to what he enjoyed so is this going to be something where he needs to taste it himself you know, and go back. I mean, I, I still remember when uh, Lane Kippen, you know, left USC to go be the uh, the head coach of the Raiders under Al Davis. And that was a trial by fire for him. Yeah. Um I don't know if he'd ever be curious to go on to go to the NFL again. So I, I don't know. That's a great question because it's so hard to get into. I mean, think about it. Did we ever expect him to go to USC? Hell no. I mean, Hell no. <laughs> we're, Never we're, thought of that. So it's like, how do we even get in there? Like, so it, it tells you how to get into someone's head and all of this. And then sometimes the NFL makes coaching hires that you get surprised by. I still remember that short, like it was like a week, maybe less, Cliff Kingsbury announced as USC's new offensive coordinator after Texas Tech fired him. And then the Arizona Cardinals just hired him as their head coach and he was gone. And I was, you know, everyone was like, wow, okay. Uh, Maybe the Cardinals saw something and clearly he's staying. he's been there at least for several years now. But uh, so it's hard to get, I always hesitate to get anyone's head, especially people who are super competitive, like any head coach in college football, quite frankly, especially those in the, you know grinding their way up through the the you know to get to a D1 head coaching position FCS or P or you know FBS G5 or, or P5 so you know it depends what what are they comparing themselves against i mean you know again not to keep using USC examples but i mean Pete Carroll everyone knew he kind of wanted to go back to the, the NFL and prove that he could do it there again after failing you know I mean, failing and at least getting fired twice before you know he took a break and then ended up at USC. But even then, he was super deliberate. Get got offers, kept saying no until he got that that uh, that offer that was exactly what he wanted. Yeah. So, um, will if you know if you keep winning in a college program, though, they're going to start offering, and then eventually they're going to start making more desirable offers, and you know maybe one day a head coach says, you know, I'm tired of being here and maybe I want to move on. And maybe that's what led him to leave Oklahoma to go to USC and maybe that would that same kind of restlessness would would send him to the NFL. But it's a great question. I don't know. And also certainly a ton of money doesn't hurt. Yeah. I, dro- I dropped that one fake edit for uh, Denver and everybody's been talking
4: about it. So I just thought maybe I'd pick your brain since you're on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for no joining problem. us, Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, take care. All right, Dave, what's going on? Sorry, it's just me hosting tonight. I'm actually here in wonderful Mexico City, which is also in the central time zone, which I typically am, usually way farther north than Minnesota, so I've traded negative 20 for uh, positive 60, so I'll take that in yardage improvement from, uh, from day to day, but Dave, what's going on, man?
5: Ed Reed.
0: Yes, yes. We, I mentioned it at the beginning, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this.
5: I love the hire. I love the hire. The only thing that has to be considered is the fact that Bethune-Cookman right now is going through a lot of leadership challenges. But other
0: than that, I love the hire. Yeah, because I, I, I want to go to that because – I know Bethune Cookman's been struggling a bit just to kind of get the school, you know, keeping it, you know, it, as you said, administrative challenges. You know, moving to the SWAC and then having the program kind of dip the way it did under Coach Sims wasn't helpful. And I know there was some, you know, I think we even talked about it uh, in an earlier uh, space that it's like this This is a program that, that uh, you know, university is... Because, I mean, you don't even have to be. I'm not even trying to pick on Bethune Cookman. I still remember gosh I think part of the reason that I mean again not to go to USC again but I think part of the reason they held on to Clay Helton so long is off the field off the field the university was going through some serious problems like their dean of the medical school was going to get thrown in jail for you know horrible things he was doing and all these you know so sometimes like I'm like the school was just distracted they had other things to worry about you know so but then Cookman going through you know its own distractions I was wondering like well who are they going to get to be the next head coach and you know, Ed Reed. Sure, he hadn't been a head coach. You know, at least on a you know on a, on a you know, high school or college level. Um, but at the same time, man, that's a splashy hire, and it seems to be just the kind of guy who'd be willing to take that that risk, and just the sort of person who can get galvanized that interest in the program again and keep it going out in Daytona.
5: Yeah, man, it's going to be interesting, man. And I think because because he went to the U. He's gonna have the U to back him. They're gonna they're gonna make sure he succeeds down there, man. So it's gonna be interesting to see how this unfolds. And I think a lot of folks within the SWAC were celebrating with Dion Sanders leaving the conference, and now they might have to deal with Ed Reed because he can. I he unlike Dion, he actually has pro coaching experience.
6: He was an assistant <laughs> yeah. for
5: Buffalo, so it's not this. It's a different ball game. He doesn't have the same charisma as Dion, but he's well respected. People know who he is. He's an NFL Hall of Famer, and he can probably and he can convince kids to come. He can he can convince kids in the in the south of that state to stay there.
0: Yeah, and I even read that. He, the coached, he coached the uh, Under Armour High School All American Game head to head against Dion. So they've they've even co- they even coached against each other at some point. So but, that's, gonna uh, be,
5: that's gonna be that's gonna be an that's gonna be interesting, and and um. So I'm looking forward to see how that's gonna go. Um, that's a big hire for Bethune. and it's much needed because their enrollment's been down and things of that sort. So I think this is gonna help a lot of things, not just their football. It's gonna help the university as a whole.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I'm really, and I think that was that was the one that was an exciting hire, and it was good to hear it. And uh, they picked a good day because that was that that was a splashy one. to – Everyone's talking about it. And that's what you want when you make a hire. You do get lost in the shuffle, and uh, I'll be interested to see it. I think a lot of people are going to pay attention to how he does out there. Um, and again, it's still in the state of Florida, so that that'll play to his strengths. I know some people were going to play at the U because you know because Ed Reed was there and, and he had that tradition. So I think it's going to be a big one for Bethune and uh, Bethune Cookman. Hopefully, we'll see how that plays out next uh, over the next season or two. I hate saying next season because that's that's a bit of a short runway for. For somebody to, to
5: to launch into it. Well, yeah, that
0: too, right? And a lot
5: of people don't realize too is that um, Gramlin tried to get Ed Reed last year and he declined it. So oh. A lot of people don't know that. Why do you think? I mean, it could have been a situation where it's about the fit. It could have been a situation where, you know, because, you know, he's from Louisiana. He's from New Orleans. So it could have been a lot of reasons why he made the decision to, um, to decline it. But, maybe he thought he could probably do more damage in, at Bethune-Cookman. and He'll probably definitely make a bigger impact there for sure. Because yeah. Bethune, Bethune was just a few years away from being a pretty good football program. I mean, prior to leaving the MEAC, they were a pretty good team. Like, before they went ahead to, to the SWAC, they were a pretty good team. I mean, they beat Florida A&M in their Florida Classic, like, I think 10 straight times prior. Like, like they were a good team prior to them heading to the SWAC. I don't know what happened, but
0: you yeah, know, absolutely.
5: It'll be, you see how that unfolds. <laughs>
0: absolutely. Well, Dave, thanks for joining us, and then hang out if you'd like. Uh, love to hear your thoughts and on, on everything, man. All yeah, right, I'll stick hey. around for a little bit. All right. Uh, hey, Trey, what's going on? Uh, letting you up. I know the way. Actually, it's really funny. If you've never been let on as a speaker on a Twitter space, there's a half second like jump in time. Because you're all hearing it on a slight delay. And then if you hit request and, you know, you're put on the stage, you suddenly get kicked into, you know, exact live feed. So as I was saying, Trey, you're up here. I just realized you might not have actually heard me say it. So what's going on, Trey? Go ahead and hit unmute. All right. Oh, it looks like the... The computer kicked them out. That sometimes happens. So again, if you'd like to join in the conversation, love hearing from you. I hear Trey. I see Trey again. I've got to go ahead and let it back up. Um, just hit request. It's always good to hear from you. Um, my name is Bob Eckhardt. My co-hosts are having their holidays elsewhere. One of them is actually in a power outage right now. But uh, but I've got power here in my hotel in Mexico City. What's going on, Trey? Hey,
6: I'm here. Um I'm sorry about the uh technical No
0: worries, no, dude. It happens all the time. You think we've had my still my favorite I'm not gonna name the guest, but we had a guest who didn't realize he had to be on a phone to talk because we didn't we didn't set him up directly. We went through quote unquote his people and his people forgot to tell him he had to use a phone. So it was literally me and the other co host who were just sat, sat talking for like ten minutes and finally we realized what was going on. We're like you know, you have to use a phone, and then within, like, 30 seconds, he was on. Um, so, don't worry, dude. We've, we've, we've had everything possible happen.
6: Not a What's problem. going on, man? Not a problem. So, an Arkansas fan that is watching uh, the Arkansas-Kansas Liberty Bowl, and uh, according to Memphis Light Gas and Water, there's a, uh, a bowl ban on your water. And yeah,
0: boil. a boil water notice. It's it's Memphis being Memphis. <laughs> it it <laughs> unfortunately it,
6: being in East Arkansas and, and seeing a bunch of Memphis news, it doesn't surprise me, but I'm a little bit disappointed. I gotta say this. I love our Razorbacks. We're going there. I'm actually really excited to play Kansas. I know that you know that's not the most exciting matchup, but I'm really excited to see them play. I'm just really disappointed that. All the Arkansas fans going over from Little Rock, uh, Fayetteville, and over to Memphis don't really get the the luxury of having a flushing toilet. So um, I, I'm, I'm sure have you have, you, have y'all ta- have y'all talked about this? Because Memphis, hey Memphis, hey Memphis, bro, Memphis, hey, Trey, yeah. I, I wanna I wanna let you know, man. Like we were, it's funny
5: you say that. We just I did a faces earlier today about Jackson, Mississippi. Like I think people have this perception that Jackson is still not going through a water crisis. It got worse to the point where now, like, there's no, there's some pockets of Jackson where there's no water at all. Besides the fact that they, some pockets might just have potable water. And I did hear that Memphis did not have water as well, which was kind of disappointing, but I'm seeing a, a trend. That's not good.
6: Yeah. Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly for sure. On the, uh water crisis in the Mid-South for for sure, but like Jackson and now Memphis with this, you know, this near like zero degree weather that happened this past uh, Christmas holiday. It's horrible. And then like we're talking about what's current events and then also a bowl game but also people's livelihoods. You know, what, what I love about Arkansas, Razorback football is that we're going to the Liberty Bowl, but I hate that like We're going to experience this, and then also it exposes a lot that, like a major city in the mid south, has a big problem, and then Jackson, uh, you know, just south of that has a big problem too. So anyway, that's the big thing I was going to say. I hope the Razorbacks win, beat the rock chalk Jayhawks, but you know, it's a it's a very interesting position to be in where you're thinking about infrastructure, and college football at the same time.
0: I agree. Well, I, they just, I, I, oh, go ahead, it, go ahead, Dave. Sorry, Dave.
6: No, nah, it's interesting for me
5: because I know – I can only speak for the Jackson side of the fence. I know they just passed that big, expensive bill that everybody's going to get taxes and all the other hoopla. But I just hope – I think $600 million was earmarked for Jackson to fix their water. Let's just hope. That the folks in the state actually put the money where it's supposed to be to fix their water because, and there's probably other towns that need that money too. So they probably, probably need to get more money down to those other cities and get things resolved because our infrastructure is crumbling in so many different areas across the country and it's been underutilized and things of that sort because folks ain't put the proper investments in.
0: Yeah, and this is this is a tough time for I think Memphis to, to be hosting their their signature bowl game because it's a I mean and you know not to not to poke at them a bit but you know the Liberty Bowl Stadium probably the Liberty Stadium is kind of uh, you know it's got it's it's got a reputation for it I mean if you ever talk to some of the folks who've covered games in there the press box is supposed to be infamous like straight up infamous there's there's no other way to even put it um, and uh, you know because I think part of it is Love to have an on-campus stadium. That's something they've been kind of wanting for years and years. And it seems to slowly gain a little momentum. We'll see that. But I think there's – what they're dealing with is no one really wants to necessarily maintain it quite as well because it's – no one's sure what the future of the stadium will be. And then you pile this on top of it. I mean, can you imagine what it's going to be like in the locker room? I mean, they're going to have to come up – I'm sure both teams – don't get me wrong. We have two very sophisticated athletic departments. I mean, they're P5 programs. You've got the Razorbacks. You've got the Jayhawks. They'll come up with something for the team and the players. But all those fans going in there and all the local – I mean, people who are there, it stinks. And, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to the game, no doubt. I mean, gosh, two interesting stories for both programs. I mean, no, obviously, the Razorbacks kind of disappointed to have me. <laughs> They're a little, you have one team that, that – start, both teams have started really strong. One team is still excited because the fact that they even went to a bowl is – is a minor miracle for a lot of Jayhawks fans. And we saw the power of Lance Leopold, who had been that dynamite head coach at Wisconsin Whitewater, showing that he can do what he can do um, at the FBS level, let alone the P5 level. But um, watching Arkansas rise number 10 and then kind of uh, fall off a bit, that was was tough. But they have a real passionate fan base. And so I think – and it's luckily a close one for them, too. I mean, this it's as you said, you know, Trey, it's not, a, it's not too bad of a drive to get over to, to Memphis, especially for for those uh, Razorbacks fans in Eastern uh, Arkansas.
6: Yeah, for sure. And that's a, a very good uh, thing for all Razorback fans. Everybody likes going to Memphis. There's a lot of, uh, you know, it's a regional hub, and everybody likes to go in there. You know, it's just a... It's just kind of a shame that people are going to go there with, oh, there's porta potties, and you may not be able to take care of your basic needs or have to stay in a uh, hotel an hour and a half away just to get running water. So, anyway, but anyway, Woo Pig, and, you know, I respect the Jayhawks for being in this bowl, and I think we're going to have a great bowl game, and I'm very excited about it. So, anyway we're gonna but... be watching
0: it for sure we're gonna have someone I think that we had someone who was gonna be covering the game from the stadium we actually because the press box' thing came up he's like I don't know if we should apply for the press box in this one you know I think I'll be good just sitting in the audience for this game uh, so we're like all right' we'll, we'll, I won't I won't file for your press credential you can go sit in the you can go sit in the crowd dude but uh <laughs> it's the only time I've ever had anyone make that request for the record but um the, the, the that stadium needs a little bit of an upgrade but Beyond that, we hope we, we hope the best for everyone in Memphis right now for getting the, the water mm-hmm. s- situation uh, fixed.
6: Indeed, and we we'll pick suey.
0: Take care, man. It's good hearing from you, Trey. You know, again, just a quick reminder, if you'd like to chime in, we're going to keep this going for at least a few more minutes. Um, my name is Bob Echayeri. We're talking college football on Tuesday nights. Uh, by chance, I'm here in Mexico City on a vacation, but, you know, why not? Let's – Let's keep this going. At the same time zone as Minnesota, I can easily keep this up. You know, as for those of you who probably know, there's some bowls going on. There's final seconds of that Birmingham bowl. It might have gone final. I mean, sometimes these things are on delay. But East Carolina is going to go to eight and five, and gave Coastal Carolina their uh, fourth loss. So uh, fifty three to twenty nine. That was a lot of scoring going on there. And the Pirates are always a fun team. I'm really, I kind of want to see how ECU does. I hope. Uh, they're an ex- they're always a fun team they're always trying i mean the program i'm fascinated by them because they really every time there's an opportunity to join a p5 conference for the last decade they have always been on the forefront of trying to get up there they haven't quite made it but they have such talent um you know in the area they have such passionate fans but mike houston is a head coach who's impressed us at RCFB because he used to be at james madison he was They they poached him away. Um, Obviously now James Madison's a FBS program, but he has the ability to win, and I think with just a little bit more time, you know they'll be able to to get East Carolina in a good spot. And you know, just wanted. I'm sorry, I'm kind of mumbling on that one, but I I, I'm excited to see where they go next. And the other one is Guarantee Rate Bowl. Wisconsin's already up just a little bit, three o over Oklahoma State. So. All of these have been on ESPN. Actually, that one's the, it looks like they have it on ESPN two now until that East Carolina game goes final, then they'll move to ESPN. So those are the games that are going on right now. It's bowl season. Um, it's a lot of fun. You know, Buffalo beat Georgia Southern earlier today. Memphis beat Utah State. Beat up Utah State in that first responder bowl. But if it's college football, as you know, we've been talking a little bit about the fact that Bethune Cookman hired Ed Reed as their next head coach. That's going to be an exciting one back in the SWAC got another big name down there, um, and there's all sorts of other things going on. I mean, gosh knows. And on RCFP, we had lots of different conversations in the past week. You know, there's the one article that I swear has been dragged through the rocks by a lot of fans, but also I, I, we always wonder if people take it that seriously. It, the headline was on the San Francisco Chronicle that the Rose Bowl is dead, killed by our winner-take-all culture humanity may be up next i that headline got a lot of attention from i think a lot of folks who were just i don't even i don't even know how many people on rcfb the the section of reddit actually read the article which is unfortunately a tradition on reddit but the reactions to it were just all over the place i mean you know people mockingly saying they're never going to watch college football again and uh uh, the, the college football playoff, it had well, awkward having just talked about Memphis, but had poisoned our water supply, burned our crops and delivered a plague unto our houses. So I'm not sure if, if that all of that is true. I think the Rose Bowl will be fine overall. And certainly, as some have pointed out, the most one of the most exciting, actually. Two of the most exciting Rose Bowls in history. Uh, involved teams that were not the traditional matchup: uh, USC and Texas, obviously in the 2006 Rose Bowl, which ended the 2005 season, and then that prior year uh, was also an exciting one. I think it was oh gosh, it was Texas and Michigan? Um, you know, so there's been some amazing games in that stadium. Stadium itself is is absolutely fabulous. You know, people like to talk about the Rose Bowl as being some magical place. It's like the perfect traditional stadium you know it's just a bowl um in fact you know if you really know the if you want to know the history of it it's based off of the yale bowl the yale stadium yale's football stadium which celebrated its hundredth year like several years ago it was the first football bowl stadium and so a lot of other architects were influenced by that the rose bowl as you know was older than that but they didn't play it in a in a real big stadium they kind of played it in the field it was such a disastrous one-sided affair the first time they had it that they actually didn't do another Rose Bowl football game for a couple of years. It did things like ostrich races, chariot races, all sorts of wacky stuff to try and get because I mean the whole point of the Rose Bowl wasn't to, to get football. It was to get people in colder climates to read a newspaper and see some information about roses being grown yeah. in California on January first. So suddenly you're like, Hey, maybe yeah, be like,
5: I think that I didn't I always was under the perception like the game was the secondary thing of the Rose Bowl. It was more about everything else
0: around it. You got it, Dave. I mean, the parade is the (laughs) oldest part because that was it.
5: Like, I think the game, like, I think, like, everybody's, like, wondering about the game, but the reality is the folks that run the Rose Bowl, all the events, the game is just there. It's about everything else around. The parade. Yeah, <laughs> more important.
0: Like, yeah, and it, people, like, the organization is still called the Tournament of Roses, and it's a Tournament of Roses parade. It's not the Tournament of Roses bowl. I mean, the bowl is, like, the secondary. Exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's huge, and, and I oh, it's don't huge think for,
5: It's were... huge for college football, but for the, the guys and gals that run the Tournament of Roses, like, A&T's going to, to March of that Parade next year, and they're not thinking about that game. They're getting to the March of that Parade.
0: That's... Oh, yeah. The, that's where it is yeah people around the world know the parade they don't know the bowl it's like anyways, talk to your friends who may have a friend international friend you're like hey yeah blah 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 and they kind of think like are you talking about the nfl no no college football is really big in the united states it's as big as your sports in your country but i get it all right fine and you just kind of blather on I, i've been there so many times i hell i'm in mexico right now it's fun to tell i mean I, and i gotta say I always hear how popular NFL is down here. It absolutely is. I've never seen so much NFL gear on guys and gals just walking around. So, I mean, it's it's a huge sport, and they've got college football down here. It's not as quite as big, but RCFB, we're, we're on that scale where we follow international football, so they do have it. And, you know, congratulations on to Monterey Tech for winning the overtime game to win the national championship down here in Mexico. But, um yeah, no, I mean, all the original bulls were like that. I mean, you had the, the Sun Bowl. I mean, is actually one of the oldest bulls in America. It's I think the second oldest now. I mean, it's a way of promoting El Paso as a sunny place. You know, the Sugar Bowl. Hey, you know, New Orleans, it's a wonderful place. You know, warm weather. Orange Bowl. Hey, look, Florida's got oranges. You can have an orange in January. So all of this stuff started as uh, tourism marketing uh, ploys. And then next thing you know, well got so serious that we decided you know let these bowl games I mean, think about it the bowl games they didn't count for the national championship until this like the late fifties early sixties because it just was a it was a bonus game. It was some, something to do uh after you wrapped up your season. It was kind of a gift to 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 players but also an opportunity to get really excited fan bases to maybe travel the country and see these warm places themselves. so all of it was marketing and then now you know. The death of the Rose Bowl, it's a bit much. I mean, some of those early games, I mean, we had someone cover the, the Harvard-Yale game uh, this year, and, and Harvard still has the Rose Bowl banner up. And if they weren't, if we were talking about traditional matchups, they weren't a traditional team. Um, you know, Tulane, uh, gosh, years ago, I, I toured the Tulane campus with their sports information director. They still have um, the, the Rose Bowl arena. That's what they nicknamed their basketball venue. It's That was paid for by money the school somehow had got from the, the, the joy of the one year Tulane went to the Rose Bowl all those years ago. So it, it's kind of fun and a, an interesting tradition. And to even say that the Rose Bowl is going to somehow necessarily be damaged just because it's not Pac-12 versus Big Ten. Eh, you know, I mean, some of the greatest stories involving that stadium had nothing to do with the, that traditional matchup.
5: I promise you. Those guys ain't losing no sleep. It's kinda like it's kinda like the Masters in Augusta. And the fact that they charge such cheap prices for everything there. Like like a hot dog's still like two bucks and a drink's like a beer's like three dollars. Like it's so cheap when you go check out Augusta at the Masters. Because the guys that run it don't care. They just want to show you the ambiance.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Hey, Reggie, I know you wanted to chime in on this. Go ahead and unmute. And if any of you guys out there want to join us, just hit request. We'd love to have All you join right. our conversation.
1: Uh, a little bit off topic, but since you guys were talking about the Rose Bowl, it made me think of something. And With the discussion of, I mean, I guess the expansion of you know, the playoffs, did they ever discuss what is going to happen with really what the, the New Year's Six games? Because obviously you're going to have a lot of those teams are going to be in the 12-team playoff that would traditionally be in the New Year's Six games. So did they ever, I mean, I just, I just, no, no, they did. did. did.
0: It's going to rotate around where the, excuse me, the quarterfinals are going to like, cause there's six games. And so it kind of works out. They're going to have four of them are going to rotate as being the quarterfinal game sites. And then the other two will be the semifinal game sites. And then they'll still do the open bidding process for the national championship game where it could be anywhere. So they're going to kind of rotate them through, is my understanding. And I don't know if there's some further nuance to it, but I know when they were kind of illustrating what the plan was for the initial two years of it, that's how they had done it. It was like the, the, the two of the Bulls kind of moved into the quarterfinals and two moved into the semifinals. Um, so they're kind of ro- – it's almost like the original, like, BCS arrangement. It, well, it's the, it feels the like. plus one BCS arrangement where they're yeah, going to rotate yeah. around.
1: Yeah, because in and no, I was because I was just curious because I, I know originally like before, like when they had when they are having like the you know, a little bit of the rumors of it they were discussing potential home uh, home field advantage for higher ranked teams in the quarterfinal games which would have been pretty unique I mean I think that'd be a good I mean it's a it'd be a good thing for a five viewing experience I know um, they do like the idea of having neutral site games because they want to have them at those you know uh, a lot of the brand name sites but. Um, I was kind of hoping, in a sense, they would do some, like, home field advantage, like, because you never know. The first round know. will be.
0: The first round it, game Otis, will be on, on okay, home it stadiums. And, in fact, okay. I think the only rule they've, they've, and they've said this from the beginning because I remember I, when they first said they're going to do it before they even had these details, Bill Hancock did, like, a media call and we listened to him talking. and he's like, he's brought up the one thing they they've admitted is they know there's a small chance that it could be a higher-ranked team that just has a stadium that's way too small, like imagine some, I don't, I don't want to name a name, but you know, like let's say a program in the Mac or the maybe Sunbelt, like let's say, okay, fine. Let's say you, University of Louisiana Monroe has the greatest season in their history. They go undefeated and somehow the other P5 teams, the, the P5 and G5 champions just, you know, are, are not having a great year. So they end up being the favorite, the, the high ranked team in that first round game. And maybe they decide this is not quite the venue they want to have it in. And, and in which case, the, the they said they could move to a neutral not neutral but like a nearby venue and just use it like a pro venue or uh you know and it would still be a home game it would be a designated home game they they never really the thing was i mean needless to say that brings up a ton of questions um it's not clear if the it, it's they made it sound like the cfp could have some veto power in terms of if a stadium a home stadium is not going to quite work it kind of reminds me and again i'm not a a big soccer guy but i know there are some rules for example for like who can host a fifa game like certain levels of championship games especially in europe this comes up like which soccer stadium like they have to improve it to be they have like some star rating system to to host a certain level of game so it feels a little bit like that but i don't know in practice how it would come up
1: well, they have it in the well. They have it in the college baseball regionals. Like there's
0: certain you have to have certain requirements oh, of sites yeah.
1: of of uh of see, of seeing attendance because I know because uh, granted in college <clears throat> baseball since I was you know I played at a mid major in college baseball like there was a lot of really really good main major teams that were I mean they're probably not better than you know some of the SEC some of the high you know some of the mid to higher end SEC or ACC teams but there were higher end collegiate baseball teams so. A team like, for example, like Dallas Baptist, uh, one probably one of the perennial top twenty-five, to top forty college baseball teams. Like there was a lot of times they'd have host regionals, but they could only seat, I believe it was between twelve to fourteen hundred, and you had to be able to seat two thousand. They couldn't fit bleachers there, um, so extra bleachers there. So they had to move to a um, to a neutral site, and luckily, like they and they couldn't use they couldn't use Arlington, so they had to move. I think it was somewhere like a couple hours away. So it kind of, like, knocked off the – kind of really did no good because most of those games, you know, you're only going to have probably about 50 to 60% attendance. So that's what I was going to say, like, hypothetically. Like, this year could have been Tulane. Like, if Tulane would have went 11-1, 12-0. They probably would have finished between – nine. you know, it, it, I mean, they potentially could have been, like, a five or six seed. So I was going to say like, what if they were hosting, I don't know, like – USC, you know, or
0: Utah. Yeah, but I think I, I think that's a good – you bring up an interesting point. I think Tulane might have been okay because Uelman Stadium is pretty modern. But I'm thinking like yeah, – true. Before – and although – and I'm thinking specifically of – this. but I think there's two things you brought up which I thought were really <laughs> fascinating. I think it would be a disaster if you have – and I'm not saying this would happen to App State, but let's say a, a program like App State isn't stuck in that situation. There isn't a stadium immediately next to them. They're really in their own little pocket, you know, so that would be kind of a tough situation for them to have to have all their fans, although I assume a, a large amount of their fans don't live in Boone, you know, because it's, it's, it's a smaller town, but you know, they might have to, they might have to go that. And that could lead to some real, you know, grumpiness and controversy, especially if that home team loses the designated home team loses. But, um, you know, the one program I was thinking of, although they were currently improving the stadium is San Jose state would be a good example. Cause if they suddenly had some dynamite season and they're the host, then there would be kind of a. I wonder Spartan Stadium isn't terrible, but I mean, if they wanted to move it, I don't know if it would have to go to like, you know, Levi Stadium isn't that far away, or gosh, I don't know what would happen if a team had to use another college stadium. Can you imagine, like, hey, Stanford, can we park your stadium for a playoff game uh, if they're not in it? Um, you know, it's intriguing. I, I think it's, 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 it, I don't know if we'll ever reach that point. I don't know if it's, it's, it's something that's just more on paper. It might never happen in practice, but it's a possibility out there for sure. But uh, I saw we have someone else who wanted to join in, so I'd let you up here. Anthony, if you want, just go ahead and unmute we'd love
4: to hear from you hey how's it going i just wanted to kind of change the subject and get your thoughts on the rose bowl coming up this upcoming week um i'm a utah alum headed down for the game super excited it'll be my first rose bowl experience so i'm super pumped um obviously i think it's a really tough matchup with penn state um but utah's playing its best ball all year we've got a couple opt-outs with our two first rounders kincaid at tight end Phillips at corner, I think that's going to be really tough to overcome, but want to
0: get your guys' thoughts on the game in the Rose Bowl atmosphere. I have one thought. I just have one initial thought. As a USC fan, I'm so glad that Kincaid has decided to take his talents to the NFL. That dude...
4: He's actually... Is... He's a he's a buddy. He, he lives with uh, my little little brother, and so... Uh, we've got... No, he, I
0: admire yeah, him. He's, and, uh, he's, a, he's a good player. Yeah. Whoa, man. Yeah. So... But that said, I mean, it's, it's, oh gosh, I'm excited about it. And I think it's, it's too many people are, I think, hung up on the fact that the, the, you know, is this the last traditional Rose Bowl matchup, blah, blah, blah. I mean, okay. I even find that humorous because like 30 years ago, Penn State wouldn't have been in the Rose but couldn't have been in the Rose Bowl and and Utah certainly wouldn't have either. So, you know, we're talking about a traditional Rose Bowl matchup for the finale, but at the same time, um, it's an exciting one. I, I, Utah, as you said, it's playing really strong. Uh, you know, clearly they made a, a statement in the Pac-12 title game. Um, regardless of how Caleb Williams was, that was just a dominating performance, and they, they did not let up. Um, so there's a lot of excitement to seeing them go back there, especially after that, the heck of a game that was in the last year's Rose Bowl. So to see Utah return, that's exciting of itself, and maybe, I don't know, having a lot of players from that team come and return to the Rose Bowl, they're going to be a little more like, this is this is old hat. I mean, no, I think the only real change for them since last year is the Lowry's Beef Bowl is actually happening again at Lowry's again. Well, like, last year, they were still moving it at the hotel. Like, each team had their own, like, hotel ballroom that they got to have the Beef Bowl. But this year, they're doing it again. I know that only because a, a reporter who's covering the Rose Bowl, I, I had to put in a, an invite. He asked me to put in for him, so he's going to cover that. But... uh you know, but that said, I mean, Penn State. You know, man, we we talked about them on and off all over the all over the season because they had that tough situation of being in the same division as Ohio State and Michigan and and losing handily to both. So, but at the same time, they're they're not a bad program. So it, it, it's hard to gauge how these two uh, how these two are going to match up. I mean, I. Uh, I think Utah's the harder team. That's just my gut because only because they had that extra game with the the championship and they they absolutely killed it in that game in the best possible way. So this is it. This this seems to be Utah's real opportunity to go in there and and, and get themselves something. What are your thoughts, Anthony?
4: No, so I I agree with you. I think two things to point out. Last year's Rose Bowl, everyone just wants to point to – they just really remember that high-scoring affair and Jackson, Smith, and Jigba – you know, having four hundred yards, but one thing they failed to realize is one of our defensive backs, you know, passed away during the year. We had p- cluster injuries at the position. Oh yeah. We had a fourth string running back playing number two starting corner. And so that's why, you know, I think Utah's a lot deeper at the position this year. And I think they're gonna the defense is gonna play a lot better even despite Phillips but you know they are still they have cluster injuries their two best tight ends are out they're starting three running backs are out with and Thomas Chris Curry um, and potentially um, Bernard as well so it, it's just going to be uh, Utah's really deep this year but um, I don't know a whole lot about Penn State but all of a sudden you look up and they've got a million studs you know coming out into the NFL so I think it's going to be really tight. One other huge advantage that we're going to have is Utah travels really well, especially to California. It's going to be a pro Utah crowd and especially with the weather and the travel issues going on, it's going to be I think hard for some Pennsylvania state people to get out there. So, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a pro Utah crowd and I'm expecting a Utah win, but I think it's going to be close.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Anthony, you know that was a perfect way to kind of close out tonight. Been going for about an hour, as I've mentioned at the top of the hour. I'm here in Mexico City. Uh, my cohorts, JD Moore and Sirius, are both uh, kind of stuck with vacation-related issues or holiday I should say holiday-related issues. So I'm going to go ahead and take this spot to go ahead and wrap up. Um, I just want to thank all of you who called in, and it was great hearing from you and. Um, you know, Dave and Anthony, you guys are up here right now. But the rest of you who are up here, too, thank you so much. It's always good um, just talking college football. You know, Trey, Thack, oh, gosh, there were so many of you guys. So, on behalf of myself, Bobby Hiery, I just wanted to, to say I hope you all have a great and happy new year. We'll guess this is the last show of 2022. Um, and we'll be talking to you in 2023. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of interesting football between now and then. So, wherever you're at. Have a great night, and I'm going to hang up and listen.